Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, Thunder fans? It's your boy Dylan coming to you with an ad from our sponsor. We are part of the Believe Podcast Network, and so we are coming at you with our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your bet betting needs and sports info find all the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba and nhl playoffs major league baseball fights and even next season's nfl futures and don't forget this weekend as the run to the roses is on at the kentucky derby you know my my neck of the woods in kentucky um bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting and your favorite vegas casino and poker games it's super easy to get started so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use promo code b-l-e-a-v that is all capital letters b-l-e-a-v or believe or believe <laughs> to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts enjoy the pod And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger, and I'm joined by – I'm just joined by Jerry and Alex. I'm not going to introduce them. I introduced them later on in the pod. You guys will hear that because we also have another guest. He's not on right now. you got to wait till the end for that interview. Uh, very informative interview with Sam Ferris of the Draft Dummies podcast on Lockdown NBA Network. So, yeah, but before we get into that, we've got – We've got some news, guys. Oh, first of all, hello. You all haven't said anything at this point, so how are you guys doing? I mean, you just said you weren't <laughs> going to introduce us. What the hell is going on? I right didn't now? introduce you. I'm just asking you how you're doing. I mean, you're going to oh. find out how we're doing. No, he's going to find out how we're doing later on. So let's just let's keep this moving. Jesus Christ. Dylan. So Jerry's doing terribly right now. He was <laughs> doing better earlier. If I could have just got finished off, I'd be happier right now. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, uh, in the NBA, we got some news going on. Um, our boy Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report uh, reported – your boy. Don't call him our boy. My boy. All right. Get it right. He's mine and Alex's boy. We're, we're, okay. we're cool with Jake. That's what I said. Yeah. He's good people. He's good people. He's good people. He likes Game of Thrones. Um. But no, he put out in his uh, in his article here recently that OKC is a team that many GMs and front office executives believe they are going to be trying to move up from twelve. So, how do you guys feel? About I mean, that? Is that, so is, is that really like a is that really like a big time rumor? Like. Did did Jake break the news? Is that what we're really <laughs> talking about right now? No. <laughs> He said about multiple teams, like exactly. You know, back and forth. I think everybody. I think we talked about it on draft night, or not the lotto night, whenever everything was settled. I think it was discussed like immediately. So don't get that. I think, I, I, I think that's just definitely something that a lot of teams, you know, a lot of a lot of front offices, you know, especially if they were in that same position, they would be trying to move up. Also, you know, I, I don't. I don't necessarily think that 
you know, they have an inside track on somebody in a Thunder organization and that person is saying, hey, you know, we're going to try to move up. I just think it's common knowledge. And I just think with the uh, with the with the draft assets that we have, you know, it would be easy to move up, especially in this draft, especially in the draft where, you know, a lot like our guest said whenever he talked about it, it'd probably be easy to move up in this draft than it would be in the next draft. Um, and so I, I don't necessarily think it's breaking news. We still love you, Jake. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're hoping to get Jake on. He said to hit him up after the combine. I hit him up today, not realizing the combine was two more days. So we'll probably hear from Jake in a couple of days. Um, but also at True Hoop, Henry Abbott reported something today that was of interest that I'm scrolling through his timeline currently trying to find. This is phenomenal podcasting. But basically, essentially, he said that OKC is potentially looking to trade back out of pick two to somebody like the Kings or the Pistons and that Jaden Ivey is the target. Now, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Now, that's a hot take. That's a hot – you know, that's some hot news right there. Yeah. Let me let me double-check my my sources here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find it. Like, he might have deleted the tweet. might have got cold feet. But, uh, Jerry, yeah, what's, I, what, what's kind of your take on this? Because me and Alex have talked about the whole Jaden Ivey and the fit and all that a bunch. But, like, let's hear what you got to say about it. Yeah. Uh, most definitely not. Like – I was definitely like a best fit guy, but right now I think it's BPA. Um, and y- yeah, you got Jabari and Paolo. Or Paolo and, yeah. yeah, you have so many more different options. And even if that doesn't work out or you don't want that part of your scheme, you still got a lot of value. I mean, I'm not saying Ivy wouldn't bring or garner more value, but I think you you got what you got with him right now. He, I don't think his ceiling is as high as it is right now, personally. But yeah, no, absolutely not. Get out of here with that take. I just feel I feel like Ivy was in the picture when we were slated to draft four, but since we moved up to two, I don't see how he's still in the picture. Yeah. Well, I I found the tweet. So, uh, Henry Abbott of True Hoop said, I heard loose talk the Kings are moving up from four. Among the things we don't know, who will make that pick? Possible scenario. At two, the Kings take Holmgren. Three, the Rockets take Ben Caro. And four, the Thunder takes Shaden Ivey. So, who's Shaden Ivey? I didn't say Shade and Ivy. I said Jaden. Yes, you did. I did you, not. Said, you said Shade and Ivy. Yes, you did. This is recorded, and all the listeners are hearing you guys just, okay. just spout fiction. And they're hey, like, wow, after I can't you guys, believe. after you all prove him wrong, let's finish him off the right way. <laughs> oh, all right. So stupid. <laughs> but no, man, like, I, I, I'm the same way. Like, I don't think that. Like, it, I, I don't doubt that Presti's entertaining, trading up, trading down with every pick that he has, trading out, you know, whatever. Like, I, I'm sure Presti like, is not leaving any rock unturned. But if the Thunder was to trade down with the Kings at four, I would hope that they were going to take a guy like Shaden Sharp, who I think has a higher ceiling than Ivy. I think he fits better 
then Jaden Ivy, Jaden, Jaden Ivy on the core in this organization. Uh, even though it comes out um, in uh, Sean's interview that Shaden, God, Shaden Ivy, there I go again. <laughs> Shaden Sharp said that one of his favorite shows to watch on Netflix is Vampire Diaries. So I considered moving him down on my big board a little bit there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I would think that if we was to move down to Ford, that we was looking at a guy like Sharp, not Ivy. And at the very least, if we was going to look at anybody besides Sharp, that we look at like, you know, a Keegan Murray or like take a swing at like a Dyson Daniels or something like that. Somebody that like, yes, like you're moving down. So like you're getting quote unquote, like a less value pick, but somebody that actually fits a little bit better. Totally agree. Totally agree. Whoever made that take, you're silly. You silly goose. Henry, I mean, this is (laughs) – I could be mean, but, like, I mean, this is why True Hoop isn't a thing on ESPN anymore. (laughs) Like, nobody takes you seriously, bro. Henry Abbott's never coming on the podcast. (laughs) Hey, I said some terrible things about Jake Fisher before he came on the podcast, and he came on twice. So, (laughs) never say never, bro. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, like we said, combine week's going on. Uh, there's a lot of mover and shakers and, you know, I talked a little bit about it with Richard Stamen, Mass Draft in the last five. We talked a little bit about it with our guest Sam Ferris in a little bit. Um, I just want to ask you guys though, cause like going into the draft, it felt like there was a top three. Like there was like a big, like consensus three. Everybody was like. You know, there's not much differentiating with them, you know, like one provides and doesn't provide. Like They all have, like, different areas that, you know, they really contribute in. But after the lottery shook out, it feels like everybody has Chet and Jabari in the separate tier. Our guests coming up has Chet and Jabari in the separate tier and Paolo is a tier below. And – like, what did I miss? Like, when did this happen? <laughs> I, oh, I, I agree 100%, man. Like, I, like, like over the last couple of days, I've been hearing, you know, I've been hearing a lot more podcasts, and I'm a lot more interested in, in what other people think, especially, you know, and what they think about what Orlando's going to do. And it's just, like, consensus. Jabari, Chet, Chet, Jabari. Like, what happened to Paolo? You know, w- when did this guy that is probably – the only guy in this draft currently, you know, without anybody developing or anything, but currently that could be a number one offensive option potentially in the future. Um, what happened with him? Why, why did he get bumped down? Like it just, it just kind of baffles me a little bit as to why that happened over the last week or so. I don't know. Like, <laughs> No, I honestly, I, I think that's so. Great, that's great, yeah. great analysis right there. Good no, job. but I, I think that part of it's probably um, some posturing going on, you know, between, you know, different clubs, um, you know, everybody trying to feel out the market, understand what teams would be willing to do for certain players in certain situations. So, um, yeah, I think it could be a little bit of that. I mean, hell, I mean, we've all bombed an interview before. Maybe Paolo came in there and just bombed an interview. And, you know, there's some whispers out there that he's not as, as great. Because on the court, 
they all have the same exact, you know, not, not the same exact style of play, but like Dylan said, they all have something they can give you um, in their own different way. And they all have different ceilings. So who knows? Yeah. It's just weird, man. Cause like, you know, but even in our live lottery reaction pod, like when we brought people in, we asked like, who do you think is going one and two? It felt like consensus, like Chet Palo, Chet Palo, Chet Palo. Like it, it felt like it was consensus. Like, and it's why, and I mean, I'm not going to spoil the podcast, but like, I don't know that Jabari's going to be a guy that's going to, I definitely don't think he's going over Shea in the pecking order in terms of like a championship contender. And he might not even, he might not even be over Giddy like at this point. Like, I mean, I, I think that's a realistic question to ask because he's a guy that can't create for himself and can't create for others on the offensive end. Like he basically has to be spoon fed his looks. So like, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, you know, Jabari is going to like flame out or anything like that. I still think he's going to be a great NBA player. I think, you know, like a lot of people said, like he's going to be like an elite number two option. Um, but not like when I look at Paolo and just like what he can provide you in every asset offensively, creating for yourself, creating for your teammates. Um, and like, like if you ask somebody like what's their biggest knock with Paolo, it's either their defense, which I think is overblown. I think he has the tools and I think that put in the right system. I think that he could be at least like an average defender and I also – and then the other thing is, like, the motor and the attitude. And You know, <clears throat> this is a crazy comp just because you're sort of listing the reasons, you know, why he's great. He reminds me in a weird way of a less athletic Blake Griffin in his prime. Like, just that right size can shoot mm-hmm. yeah. a lot better. Yeah, no, definitely. I can uh, see that. Yeah, can do a lot of different things on the floor. And I I value that a little bit more than, all right, well, hopefully this works out with Chet or the, hey, I got to, you know, give you every single shot you need, Jabari. And But the other thing that interests me about Jabari, too, is his defense, you know. Maybe he can learn how to, you know, play more um, off the dribble, you know, out of pick and rolls and things of that nature. And I mean, if anyone that can elevate his game to that next level, it's definitely, you know, a guy like Giddy um, that can just, you know, always put it right there in the pocket wherever he's at. So I, I think it's all the same. I just think it's all the same. But I, I do like Paolo more. I think he's a that, – that's my comp to him, and I'm living by it. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel it, man. Like, I, I completely understand it. I will say, like, I've – you know, like hearing all these people, you know, have this consensus feeling like, you know, not just like national guys, like draft guys we respect, like the no seamless guy, like Mavs draft, like, you know, other people having Chet and Jabari number one and two and like Paolo being third, like I've, I've gone back. I'm like, I don't have to be convinced about Chet. Like, you know, I, I know all I need to know about him, but like I've gone back and watched Jabari's film and, I think our last big board, I had Palo one, Chet two, Sharp three, and Smith four. And I, 
I think that if I was to put out the big board again, which I haven't like gone through my whole big board, I think I would have Jabari back at three and maybe even maybe even have to rejumble up that top three. I don't know, man. Like it's this draft class and like this top three is just so weird. And like yeah. they're so close. Like it's razor thin at the top. Like I've yeah, you're splitting hairs. We're yeah. splitting hairs up there. There's different body types, different, you know, different levels of skill sets and it's that there probably isn't going to be a draft for a while that that's like this power forward slash you know center heavy um or you know especially at the top forward that can play you know what i mean because they they're so adaptable all all three of them are so adaptable you can put any of them on the inside or the outside they're going to flourish one way or another so um yeah absolutely split hairs with this and that's why it's driving me nuts already it's just like guys like whatever the hell Sam's going to do is what he's going to do. Like it's, it's, it's nothing that we're going to say right now is going to sway Sam Presti on who his guy is right now. Yeah. If it's not Chet. So it's, it's just kind of crazy. Um, I just hope I can make it another month for another party and then do that over again. Yeah. There you go. Jump in the pool. One good time. One good time. Say something negative about the person we track. Probably not this year. Um, <laughs> We trust in the Presti all the way. Yeah, yeah, probably not this year. I'll just shut up. Um, well, guys, I uh, that's about all I got uh, before we get into this interview. I do want to, I guess, closing out our portion of this. Um, I have a guy that I've recently like skyrocketed on my big boards, and you know, I want to give you guys the opportunity to you know kind of highlight somebody if if you want to do that. And so, like, starting off with me, a guy that I've really kind of settled in on, like, if we were to stay at 12, I want this guy, is Usman Shang. And, you know, he measured in, I think uh, – or, no, he didn't measure in. He didn't do measurements. But uh, he told Rafael Barlow that he's 6'10", you know, word of mouth, whatever. But, like, 6'10", about a 7-plus seven, seven wingspan, um, you know, talking to Metcalf, talking to Rucker – you know, all the no ceilings guy, they all said, if you watch the first half of his year in the NBL, like, you, you would question if this dude knew how to play basketball. But if you watch the second half of the year, you could really see, like, lottery to mid-lottery talent. And when I say, like, who was it I was talking to? Uh, I think it was Mastraff, actually. Uh, I was saying that he's kind of an infusion of Presti's philosophies, the old school and the new school, because the new school, he can do all the skill stuff. He can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot. He's got basketball IQ. And then if you go on the other side of the spectrum, back when we had Russ Westbrook and KD, he's long, he's athletic, and he plays great defense, like – He's like the perfect combination. Like he's literally built in a lab for Sam Presti. Not to mention he's international. Uh, he's playing in the NBL. He's French. We like. Seems like we have a pipeline between the NBL players. Seems like we have a pipeline for French players. Like all the signs are pointing to Usman Jang being a guy that I could see Presti falling in love with. That's all I gotta say. No, it's funny because like who. Uh... It was Moles the other day was talking about him and I went and was like, huh, let me go check this guy out. Like, you know, I've seen the name, but I really haven't like went and looked at some stuff. And I was like, hmm, 
I, I can definitely see this and you're spot on. I never thought about him with us, you know, but you know, you kind of swayed me there. Um, considering some of the guys that we want are probably going to end up moving up further in the draft. Um, but I think that's a compliment to us. We know good character, good ball guys. And uh, we know that they're a treasure and uh, other GMs listen to us and they know that they might as well just take the guy we're falling in love with. There you go, man. And when we draft him, I'm just going to constantly refer to him as ooze. How much he's shown? No, he's definitely going to be ooze. All right, whatever. Who's from us? Um, well, hey, man, do you have anybody that you would like to highlight, Jerry, that you've been – you've come particularly high on in the past week? No, dang. Like, Just I dang? agree. Okay. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Like, after seeing that, it was – I was like, huh. Yeah, I could – it didn't – I didn't even think about the French connection, but it's so true. So yep. – Well, I, I thought about the French and the NBL thing, like, as I was talking, like, wow, like – Look at this you. Is, this is so Presty. <laughs> Look at you combining ideas. Yeah, there you go. Just Finishing like Presty combining his yeah. ideologies there. So, uh, Alex, do you have somebody you want to highlight before we uh, transition to our ad from our sponsors and our guests? Uh, no, man. Like, uh, a lot. So, a lot like you guys, Usman Jang is, you know, he's he's been my guy. I've mentioned him plenty of times for number 12. Uh, previous, um, previous months. He just, he's just a guy that man. He's, he's, you know, six foot ten, athletic. I mean, he just oozing with potential. And so, like you say, if you take a safe pick, oozing. So if you take a safe pick um, at two, mm-hmm. let's say you know Chet, Jabari, whatever, uh, then you can definitely swing for the fences at twelve and. Jang is definitely one of those guys that are swing for the fence type guys. So I'm I'm down with that. Man, I was really expecting Alex to give us a give us a soliloquy on Leonard Miller there. <laughs> so the uh... I, mean, I, I haven't heard too much from him, man. Like I'm a little bit I'm a little bit worried. I don't know if like you know he's uh, underperforming in the combine. I don't know if he's you know whatever's going on, but I haven't heard too much about him. I can't remember who it was. Uh, there was somebody that tweeted out and said it feels like the game's too fast for Leonard Miller at this point. Wow. I, I didn't see – I can't remember who it was. I feel like it was Rafael Barlow, but I can't confirm that. So, just – Two years horse. away from being two years away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a dark horse pick, though, and okay. it's EJ, EJ Liddell. With all this shifted and everything going on, Give me mm-hmm. some EJ. Uh, a lot of teams are liking his his uh, physicality and what he can do, and just he he has hops. Did you see what he did in the standing vertical? Yeah, just stupid. man. Yeah, just dumb. So, um, and but he might be one of those guys that moves up too. It just depends. Um, so yeah, that's that's my dark horse. So, yep, I'm with it, and you know I I I'll stand by this like I. Still love Jalen Williams. Like, I mean, the dude's crushing the combine in every facet. And like, you know, we talk about it with Sam too, but he he's a guy that I would like to see us, you know, try to find a way to get. I don't know if I want him at 12, but I don't know that I don't want him at 12. <laughs> <laughs> just so. give it a few more weeks. Just let it, you know, cook for a little bit longer. We'll be all right. You, yeah. You'll find some clarity through this. 
Yeah, the important thing is there's a lot of guys that I think are going to fall to 12. And Sam's going to have a lot of options. And that's why I'm kind of in the camp that unless you're going to get a Shaden Sharp type of guy because, like, his upside's higher than almost anybody in this draft, I think you just stay put at 12 because you can get a guy that can really help your team um, without getting rid of any of your assets as well. So, yeah. And, you know. I think that'll close it out there, boys. So, uh, yeah, it's time for a word from our sponsors. And then on the other side of that break, you're going to meet back up with us for our guests. So, see you on the other side. Incurring debt is one of the staples of adulthood. Believe me, I know. You know, from the start of, you know, going to college, moving out of your house, starting your own family, um, all that – leads to incurring debt Um, and paying down debt can be very stressful you know because basically everything has to go right you have to find other forms of income other flows of income uh, to try to go ahead and 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 bring that down Um, and it's very difficult to do you know you you sometimes you start to juggle multiple credit cards multiple payment dates um, and it can be very arduous Uh, but if you're tired of juggling due dates Consolidating with a personal loan could be your answer. Uh, that way you'll have one, just one due date a month and Credit Karma can help you find the best option for you. Credit Karma uses credit data to find loan offers that are personalized to you. Uh, so you can have a better idea of what loan amount you can get approved for. Credit Karma will even show you your chances of approval so you can choose between loan offers that you're more likely to get approved for and apply with more confidence. Comparing loan offers on Credit Karma is 100% free. It won't affect your credit scores, and you could save money in the process. Are you ready to apply? Head over to creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to see personalized offers. Again, that's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers to find the loan for you. That's creditkarma.com slash loanoffers. Credit Karma. Apply with more confidence today. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast, part of the Believe Network. I am your host, Dylan Hunsinger at Thunder Chats, and I'm joined by two awesome guys in the state of Oklahoma. First, we got Champagne Jerry, the jockey, Jerry <laughs> Stevens. What's up, Jerry? What's up, man? I can't believe you just busted that out for the world <laughs> to know. Um, I hold that close to my heart, but everybody knows now. Uh, doing well, man. Doing well. Uh it's chillier than chilly. It's May, the middle of May, and it was like 60-something degrees today, so I'm super confused with life in general right now. Um, but, yeah, happy to be here. All right, man. Hey, we're happy to have you here, sir. And also joining me is my partner in crime, the man that's been with me through almost every draft pod, Alex Roy. Alex, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just ready uh, to talk more draft, man. Yes, sir, man. Let's – Let's dive into it. So joining us today, he's a contributor to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. He's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. He's a credentialed NBA draft analyst. If you want to get smarter about the draft, if we're going to go into a crash course about the draft, you've got to have a dummy. The founder of the draft dummies, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Ferris. Thanks for having me on. And we've got the draft order now, so it makes it even more fun to talk about. Um, 
So always happy to talk draft and thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, for sure, man. You know, uh, like you said, you know, it's, it's a lot less hypothetical. It's more concrete and it's a lot more optimistic now. It was like, you know, we was cautiously optimistic before, but now like, you know, there, there's some definitive optimism here. So um, before we get into the draft, cause we got a lot to cover on the draft. Uh, we kind of like to ask a few background questions for our guests, you know, just so the audience got to get a good idea who's behind the mic. So first question I got, man, you know, what first got you into evaluating talent for the draft? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's just something I love. So I've kind of, I've kind of always done it, but didn't do anything publicly for a long time. And uh, for any of your listeners that might've kind of known about me and the draft dummies before, uh, my friend and I originally started the draft dummies podcast, you know, kind of during quarantine when COVID was going on. Uh, we always talked about the draft, always followed it. We're big NBA and college basketball fans. And so we decided, you know, we had a little bit more time on our hands during that point in time, um, working from home and stuff like that. And so we said, you know, why not go ahead and try this and start a podcast? And so we just did it because we loved it and we always talked about it. So we're like, you know, why not talk about it on a podcast? And it kind of went better than we anticipated. We didn't really think anybody would listen, but yeah. I guess if you love something and know a little bit about it, people will listen. So it was a lot of fun. Um, so I've been doing it for a little over two, like two and a half, three years now. Um, the first year, year and a half, my friend Cody that I started it with, did it with me. And then because of things that popped up in his life, he wasn't able to continue. But so I run it now by myself. And now I'm also a part of uh, the Lockdown Network. And so I contribute there as well now. Okay. So you mentioned Lockdown Network, obviously, like it's it's a huge podcast network. Like it's been growing year after year. Um, how'd you go to become a part of that? Like, you know, you said you started your podcast a couple of years ago, you know, the whole build it and they will come. Like, you know, you built a yeah. fan base immediately. Like uh, how long into that before you became a part of locked on network? Um, so it was like maybe a year, year and a half, like the first draft cycle, we did like a full year first. And then like, at the end of the first year before the draft, um, a guy by the name of Josh Lloyd, who does the fantasy basketball podcast at the Lockdown Network, he mm -hmm. kind of put a question out to all of Twitter and was like, who are some good draft podcasters that uh, I should have on to talk about the draft? And so uh, a lot of people kind of mentioned us. And so he had us on and then David Locke, who is uh, runs the Locked On podcast. Mm -hmm. And he's also the voice of the jazz. Uh, he reached out to us when he wanted to start an NBA draft podcast for the Locked On Network after he heard us and liked what we did. And so, yeah, kind of went from there. He heard about us, reached out, and we were happy to join and contribute. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the Locked On Network as well. Um, you know, Rylan Styles, friend of the pod, obviously been doing awesome on Locked On Thunder. So, yeah. Good to hear, man. So, hey, let's let's get into Thunder Talk. Let's get into it, the team. This is the Top of Thunder podcast after all. So, um, you know, three things I always ask everybody, and I'll just kind of, you know, ask these all in a group. Like, basically just line it up. Like, what did you think of Shea going into the draft compared to what he is now? Uh, and then same question for, you know, anybody that I guess uh, you'd like to highlight from last year's draft class. Okay. Yeah, so – 
I didn't do anything publicly back when Shea was a prospect, so I can't pull my receipts or anything, but yeah. I was I was higher on Shea. I had him as like a top five guy. I liked a lot about him, and he's been that guy. Like He's a, a star in the league. I think I've tweeted before, one of the best players to not make an all-star game, and one of the bright young stars, one of my favorite players just to watch just because of the unique kind of nature of his game. So I love watching him play. And then I was really excited. I was a big Josh Giddy guy going into last last year's draft as well. I had him as the fifth ranked prospect in last year's class. So I've been a Josh Giddy believer. Was excited to see him end up in OKC. Well, I loved OKC's draft overall because I was also a guy that was higher than consensus on Trey Mann. And I've talked quite a bit or tweeted about him uh, during this season. I think he... Honestly, heading into next year, he is probably one of the guys that I think I'm still higher on than consensus. I think if a lot of people didn't watch OKC, they don't know, uh, they don't know how good Trey Mann is offensively. Yeah. Like he, he's got the tools. We're kind of seeing some of these young guys break out in the playoffs, like a Jordan Poole type. I mean, Trey Mann has the offensive package to be like a borderline star offensively. Already has the legit step back, the space creation, and a very good shooter. Uh, so I had him as a late lotto guy heading in, so I was really excited with the haul that OKC ended up with last year. Yeah, man, hey, we're right there with you, man. Like, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. We wasn't as excited that night, but I think looking back on it, like, I mean, you'd have to give Presti an A-plus, like, all the way down the board, honestly. And, like, uh, you know, we've had a couple of guests even mention, of course, Aaron Wiggins. Like, he was a great pick uh, for the value that we got 55. And Wendy Waters, like, bringing in a guy that's a legit shooter off the G League, you know, part of this rookie class, you know, got to give him his props yeah. too. So, um, sticking with Presti before we get into the draft, man, you know, uh, everybody's kind of got their own opinion on the whole tank job. You know, some people realize it's the only thing, way we could do it. Other people want to call us the black eye of the NBA for doing it. Uh, what's kind of your outlook um, and opinion on Presti's master plan? Yeah, well, I'm kind of weird because I follow the draft so much that like the teams that I enjoy watching the most are like the Magic and the Thunder, the teams that really have the worst record, the Rockets yeah. last year, because, you know, I spend so much time watching these guys in preparation for the draft that I also really love and enjoy watching them early in their careers. And I tweet a lot about them, a lot of the clips of these young guys. So I personally don't care that they're that bad because I enjoy watching to see Trey Mann, Josh Giddy, Aaron Wiggins on a nightly basis. Yeah, I'm not like most NBA fans. That's what I enjoy. Um, and so I don't mind too much. And I've liked some of the quotes recently that Sam Presti I think it was might have been today or yesterday when you're saying, you know, if you try to skip the rebuild, then you can really hurt yourself and just set yourself back. And like, I don't want to pick on teams, but we've seen teams like the Kings try to skip steps mm -hmm. or the Pacers and you just end up in that treadmill of either mediocrity or even worse than that. And so I like what OKC is doing. They've stockpiled picks. I like the young guys they've got and they've got picks moving forward as well. So, like, Thunder fans are awesome. Uh, like, some of the most loyal in the NBA. I don't know how long you can kind of drag this out for. I think that's going to be interesting. But I think for now they're okay. I think the fans enjoy watching these young guys. They enjoy kind of this uh, 
the early part of this rise and when this team does become good, I think it's going to pay off for him. I think, I think it was the uh, push button uh, quote that Sam Presti had where, you know, once you push that button, you can't, you can't go back and unpush it. Yeah. Um, and so if you, yeah, if you make a, uh, if you make a decision to move forward with something, you know, you have to be a hundred percent sure that's going to work out. And that's, you know, that's like you said, that's the position like teams like the Kings, teams like those perennial lottery teams have gotten themselves into. Yep. Yep, for sure, man. Well, hey, getting into the draft, um, you know, the past few weeks we've asked people to give their top eight because eight was the furthest we could fall. But now, as we talked about, we know where we're picking. We're picking at number two. So I'm not just going to ask you to give you top two prospects because that's boring. So just blanket statement. Um, kind of starting this out, uh, who's the top five on your big board? All right, so my top five in order goes Chet Holmgren, number one, Jabari Smith, two, Paulo Boncaro, Jaden Ivey, four, and then Shaden Sharp, five. Um, but I think the Thunder ended up in an almost ideal spot because I personally have Chet and Jabari as one, two, and I kind of have them in a separate tier. I think they're, to me, the two best prospects in the class. And so if I'm OKC, like I'm fine with whichever of those guys drops there. I have Chet number one, but Jabari Smith ending up in OKC is still an awesome situation. Again, those are the top two guys in a tier by themselves for me. So if I'm an OKC fan, I'm I'm thrilled to to have one of those top two picks. All right. So, yeah, you know, you, you talked about having two guys like in a separate tier of their own. And obviously, we said we had number two, but the Magic, you know, they won the lottery. They had number one. Um, I asked Richard this as well, but um, I guess, you know, where you said that you enjoy watching younger teams, you know, young developing teams. So uh, if I was to ask you who you think the Magic would take at one and who would you want them to take at one? Um, so I think they'll take Chet. And I've, I think I've said this before that if, uh, no matter the circumstance or the fit, I would take Chet Holmgren number one. And so I would take mm -hmm. him number one. If I had to guess, to be honest, I think it's open. I think they could take Jabari Smith. It's still a little early in the process. We haven't really heard too much smoke either way. Uh, and so I would lean Chet and that's who I would take as well. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I mean, and I think a lot of the national guys seem to believe that Jabari is going number one. But like, if you listen to yeah. like the local guys uh, for the Magic, uh, everybody seems like Jabari or, or Jess going to go number one. So it's like it's kind of confusing. Like, you know, who's hearing what? So hopefully we'll get some clarity as we go on. But hey, you know, yeah. the you know the good thing about that is no matter who the Magic pick at one, even if we had picked three. Um, it, you know, if somebody picked two, like there's still a good player there. So yeah. uh, who do you – same question for the Thunder. Who do you think they would take and who would you want them to take the most? So are we saying assuming Chet is gone, number one, or – Yeah, that's fair. Okay. If he's gone, number one, then I think for me it would be pretty easy. I'm taking Jabari Smith, number two. And I think that's probably who they would take. But we've seen Sam Presti – kind of go off the beaten path in the past and he's done awesome if he took paulo like i'd be fine with that i like him i have him number three if they even win a bit more of a surprise 
and went Ivy, I'd be fine with that too. I really like Ivy as a prospect, but me personally, I'd go Jabari Smith. Is is Jabari Smith more of a fit uh, as as compared to Paolo with the Thunder? Yeah, that's a good question. So me personally, and I think Sam Presti would probably agree with this based on what he's done, especially in the lottery, I don't look too much at fit because when you're drafting in the lottery, you should be drafting a starter, especially top three. You should be drafting a, a franchise pillar. So at that point, I'm not looking much at fit. I'm looking at drafting the best player available. I think most GMs would agree with that. I think Sam Presti's proven that's kind of where he's at too. Now, there are certain circumstances. Uh, for example, if you're like the Nuggets or the 76ers, you have Jokic or Embiid as your center. You're not going to draft a center at number one. But I think the Thunder are in a spot where they can pretty much draft the best player available. And the guys that they have on the roster are pretty malleable. They can kind of fit around who they draft here. But but part of the big perk, uh, to your point, if you do draft Jabari Smith, is not necessarily the fit within the team, but just the fit in the modern NBA for Jabari Smith because uh, the word I like to use is scalable. Um, he, that's a big benefit for him or a big pro as a prospect is he's so scalable because he's an elite shooter with elite size. And so you can fit him up in basically any lineup configuration. He's a plug and play guy. He can help you kind of um, fit into different lineups. He's a guy that's going to work in the playoffs. Any team needs a wing with size and I think he's going to defend and he shoots. So that, that scalability is a really big positive for him. And I think the Thunder, if we do want to look at fit, they do need that floor spacing around Josh Giddy and SGA. And I think he provides that. Forgot we had Poku though. Like, got... <laughs> I, I love Poku. I love Poku. So you're not going to get me to talk talk bad about Poku. So. No, I was being. I'm, I'm being serious, actually. So <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I would love. I mean, he would fit in well there too. That's the thing about Jabari. He fits in well with anybody. You always need size, defense, and shooting. So that's again one of the big check marks in his favor. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you this before we move on to the next question. Um, you know, a lot of Thunder fans' reservation with uh, having Jabari, uh, I guess, over a guy like Paolo or, or Chet in that situation is the question on, like, where he falls in the pecking order, like, when we're back in contention. So, being a guy that's high on Shea, being a guy that's high on Giddy, uh, where do you think um, Jabari falls in terms of, like, you know, number one, number two, number three guy on, like, a championship team? So I don't necessarily see any of the guys in this draft as being a likely number one offensive player on like a championship level team. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. I think Jabari Smith can be a potential elite number two, who's also a very positive defensively. Again, with the size, with the defense, with the shooting, like to me, he projects to be like that elite number two, a guy that's a perfect sidekick, a perfect partner for Gideon SGA. I like it. I like it. Um, next question I have, you know, you mentioned if Presty was go out of the out of the norm, which if anybody is, it's Presty, um, mm -hmm. and take a Palo, take an Ivy. But a name you didn't mention was your number five, Sharp. Um, what What do you think about his potential? And that's all we know. His potential fit with the Thunder, and would it shock you if Presty decided to take Shaden Sharp at two? 
Um, I would be pretty shocked if he decided to take him at two. However, theoretically, the fit and the upside is are both great. Um, he would slide in as basically like the two guard and could play next to both Giddy and SGA. He's got good form on the jumper. He's got the pull up and he's got also elite measurements. He's like 6'5", but with a seven foot wingspan and an elite vertical athlete too. And so like, yeah, theoretically the fit's really good. Again, I have him five and yeah, it's a bit risky because we didn't see him play at Kentucky, mm -hmm. but just at that point, I'm willing to bet on the ceiling. Like if he does work out, he's going to be a very valuable player and he would be a good fit there. But at two, like that's just still a little bit too rich for my taste to take that big of a risk there, especially with a guy like Jabari Smith, we got Paulo, we got yeah. Jaden Ivey. Like if you're looking for the athletic guard, I'd be more willing at that point to bet on Jaden Ivey still, but maybe they trade up with their number 12 pick. I mean, that's certainly a possibility, especially with the stockpile of picks they have. That would be exciting. That'd be something that I, I would really be intrigued to see. Well, uh, speaking of some Sam Presti weirdness, uh, because he's always doing it. You just mentioned a trade also. So uh, do you think the Thunder should even entertain trading back from two? I think there's been some things going back to four, going what four has been the main consensus, right? Everybody that you've seen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Dylan's picture just changed to tyranny's face and it's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> um, so sorry to take away from that, but you know, do, do you think that the Thunder should or is the, the stock good enough to stay at two? Um, so I would not. So I, the way that if you look at, and I'm guessing this is the way Sam Presti looks at the draft is you want to maximize your value. So if you think about it, the way you evaluate prospects generally is you put them in tiers, right? So, you know, theoretically, if you want to get the most value, the way you would do it is you want to get the last guy in that tier because again, theoretically, that's the best value. So that's kind of a long way of saying if he sees the top four guys as being so close that he'd put them in the same tier, then he'd be fine moving down to four and taking whichever of those guys is left, right? But me personally, I have Chet and Jabari just a bit above the next few guys. And so that's where that's why I like where OKC's at because you get one of those two guys for sure. And to me, those are the two guys that I'd be aiming to take. And I'm happy ending up with either of them. And there's no point in my opinion, like OKC has so many picks moving forward. If anything, I would be trying to explore trades in like every draft to try to move up. I wouldn't really be trying to move down at this point in time. Right. Well, speaking of going up in the draft, uh, mm -hmm. uh, what do you think are some prospects that'll hopefully fall to number 12 specifically named Dyson Daniels. Um, <laughs> I've got or... him number one on that for that question right now. So. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> there we go. Um, His workout yeah. was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately we'll start with the negative there is it now seems like very unlikely that he'll be around at number 12. So I'll go through four names that I wrote down for 12. Um, I'm not sure. I think one of them will be there just because somebody ends up falling, right? Like if Dyson Daniels is really shooting up, like mm -hmm. the workouts have indicated and like the rumors are saying, then someone's going to drop too. So I have Dyson Daniels 
as the first name I wrote down coming into the last few weeks, I think he probably might've been there at 12 again, like we're saying seems unlikely now, but in terms of the fit, like he came in and measured a legit six, eight, the jumper looks smoothed out in a quicker release based on videos that we've seen. And he also projects to be a very good defensive guard with the tools and with the size and with the film that we saw of him in the G league ignite. So I would love that fit next to the guards that OKC has. Uh, the next guy I wrote down is Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. He is a six foot five guard who is a very good shot maker off the bounce in the half court. He had to carry and he carried a Wisconsin team that frankly did not have a lot of surrounding talent, carried them to like, they were a top 10 team a lot of the season. Uh, one of the best players in college basketball last year and a big riser. He was a sophomore. So he's got that shot creation off the bounce. I like his ability to play next to the guards that OKC has, but he's also a very good defensive guard as well. What I loved about him especially is just how much he was carrying for them both offensively. But then to see a guy also put in the effort that he did defensively is something that you just don't see that often on both sides of the ball. So I like, I like him. He's a guy that I think I have like nine or 10 on my board right now. Uh, the third guy I have written down is Jeremy Sohan out of Baylor. He is kind of a multi-positional, very long wing. I think he'd be kind of like more of a four in the modern NBA. And the pitch with him is, you know, if we're trying to learn something from every draft and get smarter with this, right? We saw last year that guys with plus size for their position and good feel, good IQ for the game of basketball, those guys just tend to work out. We saw that Scotty Barnes last year, Franz Wagner, you could throw Evan Mobley in there. Well, Jeremy Sohan is kind of in that same boat where he's like 6'10 with like a 7'2 wingspan, I would guess. Uh, moves really well. He's a good passer. He can handle the ball. Still young, but played a role for Baylor. And so I like his upside. I think he's a potential all-defensive guy in the NBA. And then the final guy I have written down is Jalen Duran, who I'm higher on than consensus. I have him as the sixth best prospect in this coming class. He is a center. He's the youngest guy in the draft. He should have been a senior in high school last year. Played at Memphis. It took him a while to get going, get used to the competition. Um, but he's still going to be 18 when next NBA season starts. And he is just a monster athletically at like six foot 11. My comparison for him would be similar to like a, a, what you see from Robert Williams right now on the Celtics. Hmm. I, I like all those players, actually. So I'm happy that you answered that. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I, I have a crazy question real quick. I mean, this is just completely crazy and, and hypothetical. But if we take if we if Chet happens to fall to us at two, could you see a scenario where Presti drafts Duran also to solidify a front court of the future for for the Thunder? Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, either way, though. So when I was coming up with because uh, one of the questions we're going to hit on later and kind of what you just asked right now is what would be some of the best pairings of potential picks? Um, so you mentioned one, I, I personally said the same thing, but I said Jabari Smith plus Jalen Duran, because then you're getting Jabari Smith as your four and Jalen Duran is your five. 
and talk about adding threats uh, offensively for Giddy to hit out a pick and roll because you're getting the floor spacing and the size at the floor with Jabari Smith and then an elite rim runner in Jalen Duran. And both those guys will really help them defensively long-term as well. So I love those fits. If Jalen Duran is there at 12, I am sprinting to the podium because that would be fantastic regardless of who they pick at six. Even if they pick Chet at six though, or at two, excuse me, if they pit, if they do get Chet at two, I'd still be fine doing that, you know, because kind of similar to what we saw Cleveland do this year where a lot of people thought, you know, Evan Mobley's a five. Well, he comes in and plays the four and all of a sudden their defense is just really hard to score on. And similar to Mobley, Chet has more skill offensively than he was able to show in college. Uh, if you go back and watch the high school tape, he's got a really good handle. He's a good passer for a big. And because he's still skinny, like everybody knows, I, th- I think it would be fine or maybe even beneficial for him to play some four early in his career. Okay. Okay. I like that list. Um, so, you know, we, we got some guys at 12, um, you know, do you think that OKC should actually trade up from 12? There's been a lot of, you know, speculation around that also. And then if so, you know, who are some targets and, uh, what do you think it would take to get to that certain spot? Gosh, it's just so hard to answer that because at this point we're still a little early. So it's like, who's going to be there? Like, if you could guarantee me one of those four guys is there at 12, like, honestly, there's no real need to trade up. I would love to end up with any of those guys. Um, And like we're saying, like, if some guys are rising, some guys are going to fall. If Jalen Duran, if Johnny Davis, if Dyson Daniels, if Jeremy Sohan, if those guys are there at 12, that's fine. Now, if Sam Presti has a guy that he's really zeroed in on, like for example, if a Shaden Sharp just lights it up in in uh, the workouts they have, and if he does the background on him and he's just sold, like yeah, go ahead and trade up for him. That like that's fine. You've got so many picks in the future. Mm-hmm. You, you got to consolidate at some point and go ahead and get that guy that you really target. Um, so it's just really hard to answer that right now because I don't know who's gonna be there. But I'd be fine doing it. Like I said, so many picks, you got to consolidate at some point. Go ahead and go get your guy. And I think what's kind of interesting is a lot of people kind of view next year's class as the awesome draft class that everyone's really excited about. So maybe if you're kind of looking for a little like uh, weak spot in the market, maybe teams are willing to trade down in this class and you can actually trade up for a little bit cheaper. It's kind of something interesting to think about there. Yeah. Um, before we move into like the later part of the draft, I did want to ask you about one more guy. Um, yeah, you you actually tweeted about him a couple weeks ago. It really intrigued me. But Malachi Branham, um, obviously he had his workout. I think it was yesterday. Um, you know, showed showed like you know, great shot making and threw in some defensive drills, which you just don't see in workouts a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I liked about what you said was, you know, his first, uh, 10 games, like it took him like 10 games to get acclimated, but like after those 10 games, he was scoring like over 20 points per game. I'm like, like 47, uh, 39, 80 something splits. Like I I'm, I'm really intrigued by the guy. Um, do you think that he would be a guy that could end up being there at 12? Do you think he's going to, you know, kind of jump up with these workouts? And do you think that he'd be a guy that could fit alongside Shane Giddy? 
I would guess right now it's very likely he would be there at 12 still. He's a guy I expect to go kind of in the mid-teens. Now, again, it just takes one team to fall in love with the guy and take him. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what we saw from Memphis last year. Uh, coming in, like, the few days before the draft, people didn't think Zaire Williams was going 10. But mm-hmm. then kind of some spokes started coming out that there were teams excited. Memphis takes him before really anyone anticipated. So it just takes one team. That's kind of what's so interesting. Josh Primo, same thing last year, yeah. right? Um, so I wouldn't be shocked, but I would say I expect him to be on the board at 12. Yeah, you talked about the tweet that I sent out. Like, it, I knew how good he was, but when I dug into the numbers, it was like shocking how yeah. efficient he was from all three levels. An elite pull-up jumper, where he really shined, though, was out of pick and roll. Um, you don't see freshmen in college that often have as many reps in pick and roll as he did. And he ranked, if you dig into the synergy numbers, he ranked like uh, in like the 92nd percentile in scoring out of pick and roll, which is like crazy good for a freshman, right? Um, His ability to get to pull-ups out of pick and roll is awesome. Now, I guess the question that I would ask in relation to OKC is, do you think he would get enough on-ball pick and roll reps playing next to Giddy, next to SGA, next to Trey Mann? Or would they be better off kind of going um, for more of a guy that can play a little bit more off the ball and is a little bit more better potentially defensively? Uh, that, that'd be kind of the question in mm-hmm. terms of fit that I have, that I have is because OKC's already kind of gone after a lot of these on-ball self-creator guys. And Branham's a little bit in that same category. Now, if, if you're just so high on him as a prospect, then that's fine. Not necessarily my favorite fit due to yeah. those reasons, but I certainly really like him as a prospect. Yeah, didn't you say he uh, he also finished like really, really like high around the rim, like 70 something percent or something like that? Yeah, over 70 percent at the rim, like over 47 percent from mid range and over 40 percent from three. Like the efficiency numbers were crazy. And then yeah. he was good in the tournament, too. So people got to kind of start seeing him at that point. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he's a riser, uh, but we'll see. I, I think more than likely than not, he probably will still be there at 12, but we'll see. Yeah, I got you, man. All right, well, hey, moving into the later part of the draft, we also have picked 30 and 34. Um, is there some guys that late that you think would fit well with what we're trying to build or some guys that you think are worth taking a swing on? Yeah, so my thought here is that, you know, there's a couple different ways of looking at second round picks. You can try to bring in a guy that's ready to contribute right away, but, you know, might not really have that much of a ceiling. Or you can draft a guy that's kind of a stash for a while, uh, but you hope has a long-term ceiling that can really help you out. So my thought, if I'm the Thunder, is they don't really need a second round pick to come in and contribute right away. So what I would be doing is drafting a guy where, you know, if things go right for him, then you're excited to have him as part of your core moving forward. So kind of what I think about there is like guys that meet a physical profile, but maybe are missing something from their game. So what I usually think about there is like wings that are that meet the physical profile, but maybe the jumper hasn't really quite come along yet. There's a few of those guys in this class. So I wrote down three names, uh, Dal and Terry, you guys can stop me if you've, I don't know if you've kind of followed potential second round picks, 
Dallin Terry, yeah. John Butler, and Peyton Watson were the three names I wrote down where if those guys do hit, they have legit physical tools uh, to be legit wings in the NBA. And I think that's kind of what OKC needs. And so those are guys that I would be kind of swinging for potentially in the second round. I love, I love John Butler. You know, he yeah. had a, uh, had a scrimmage a couple of days ago at the combine and uh, he was just hitting threes and just doing what John Butler does, just, you know, being tall, having a lot of length, <laughs> just hitting threes. Like it, it, it was, it was impressive. And for a second rounder, um, I, I, I'd take a swing on him. Like, yeah. Insanely skinny, like, insanely yes. skinny and move and he ended up measuring over seven feet tall in terms mm. of like a potential comp it'd be kind of like a Jaden mcdaniels is kind of what you're going for mm. but john butler can really shoot i was just looking at his numbers this year uh shot like 44 percent on catch and shoot threes and so like to my point here if if he if you can help him develop a bit physically then you're getting a seven foot wing that can move really well on the perimeter and also is a high level shooter. So like, those are the guys I'd be going for that have that high ceiling, but might just be missing something from their game. John Butler's one, Dallin Terry and Peyton Watson were the other two that I wrote down. I don't know if you guys are familiar with those two at all. Yeah. Well, Terry, um, I feel like everything I've seen from him is he has a game that kind of resembles that of Dyson Daniels, like correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. And um, but he he has the he still has the open like he could still go back to college if he wanted to right yeah it's he could it seems to me like he's gonna garner enough interest to stay in mm -hmm. I actually wouldn't be shocked at all if he ends up going late first round so yeah he's six seven he's got the measurables long arms uh, what's kind of intriguing with him is he's also a good passer too like he's yeah. a good facilitator. But the defense, right, at 6'7", with like the seven-foot wingspans, what's really intriguing, uh, it, it kind of depends where you fall on his jumper. It's still got a bit of a hitch in it. But again, that's the reason he's going that late. But if if you believe in the jumper, then like you're getting a legit wing who could be like a guy that is, you know, to use kind of the term that's going around now, a 16-game player later on in the playoffs who can guard multiple positions and can also like move the ball offensively and hit open shots like if he hits that guy is gonna be a long time wing in the nba that every team could really use yeah there's there's been a lot of uh the draft guys we've had on in the past have said that you know if he did decide to go back to school and like really worked on those areas of improvements he could be a top 10 pick next year so yeah i i, I really buy a guy you know that kind of ceiling so i like that yeah i I'm bummed right now because I was really feeling uh, Jalen Williams in like that 30, 34 range. But it sounds like given his combine uh, yeah. performance and measurements, it looks like he's going to be jolting up in the first round. Thing. Yeah, he seems like the biggest riser. Some are even saying potential lottery, which I mean, that'd be a crazy leap from where he was yeah. a few weeks ago, like a second round pick. Uh, but yeah, he's really long too. And kind of people have fallen in love with him. He even participated, I think, every day in the scrimmages, with mm -hmm. which I think people appreciated that as well because so many guys either don't participate or after one good performance will drop out. So it's kind of refreshing to see a guy, you know, go out there and compete every day. So Yeah, guy just loves the hoop, man. Yep. Got to love guys like that. Well, Got to respect that, yeah. Yeah, for sure.
uh, getting close to wrapping up, you know, we kind of alluded it to it earlier. Um, if we were to use all of our picks where they are, we're not moving up or down, 2, 12, 30, and 34, what's one or two fun player combinations that you would like to see? All right. The first one I hinted at, which would be Jabari Smith and Jalen Duran, And then for the second round picks, we just talked about them. So I'll just say Dal and Terry, John Butler. You can put John Butler in the G League for now. Like he, uh, like he's not a guy that's going to play right now. That's fine. But I'm more focused on the first round picks. Jabari Smith and Jalen Duran. to me, that would be an A+. plus. That'd be a home run. Yeah. Uh, you know, whichever of, honestly, if Jab- like we said, Jabari Smith or Chet plus Jalen Duran, that's an A+. plus. The second one I wrote down was if Chet falls, and then I would really like Johnny Davis um, at 12. Mm-hmm. I He's a guy, it's funny because I, I was like the highest person on him coming back after his freshman year. Uh, nobody really talked about him and looking into his numbers, he was a guy I was really high on. And then he just completely exceeded expectations even more than my own by a long shot. And, and then I was like, is consensus even getting higher than I am? But as I've gone back and watched film, like I buy into the shot creation, I buy into the defense and it was really helpful. Uh, I tweeted this out as well. He measured over six foot five, which is legit. Like his physical measurements were identical to Devin Booker, which was really intriguing to me as well. And that's a guy he's been compared to, but he's better defensively. The question with him is just the, he was just so up and down from three. He started off the year really hot and then finished really cold. And so if you buy the jumper, if the jumper comes around, like we say with so many prospects, then you're looking at a really good two-way guard. And so Chet and Johnny Davis was my second pairing uh, that I wrote down. All right. I like it. Hey, I'd be pleased with either one of those. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, kind of get close to closing out here, man. If I was to ask you to give one bold prediction about what the Thunder do in this draft, what would it be? My bold prediction would be that they trade up from 12 and take somebody. I was debating between two things. I was debating between like how shocking would it be if they took Jade Nivey was actually the name that I had in mind it to. Uh, but I, I decided to go with the trade up just because I think it is realistic. Like we've talked about just with the stockpile of assets again, got to use them at some point, but I would still be surprised just because trades in the lottery don't happen that often. Mm-hmm. And just as someone that I enjoy watching the Thunder following their rebuild, like that would be intriguing to me if they traded up for somebody. If if Sam Presti was targeting one guy and they were able to trade up and get him, that would be really intriguing to me as well. And so I'll go with that. I don't think it's like, I wouldn't be shocked, but I would be pretty surprised. And I also still think it's somewhat realistic, again, given the assets they have. Oh, yeah. I mean... It will be uh, last year we recorded like four hours straight uh, live uh-huh. during the draft, which looking back was probably a mistake because we went from picks one to 55. But yeah, it'll be a little bit shorter this year. But like, you know, just in the live, like, okay, we drafted number two. We're talking about this guy. And then all of a sudden you get the Woj bomb. We're trading up to like five or six or something like that. And yeah. like, like just pandemonium sinking. So, yeah, that. So let's say the Thunder do trade up. Who do you? Like, who would you guys be most excited at this point about trading up and taking? Uh, for me, it, it probably would be sharp just for, like, yeah. it j- just the upside of the ceiling. I've, I'm also, like, I'm com- like, 
not like that high in the draft, but like if he was to fall to like the nine ten range, I would love to add a guy like Keegan Murray in yeah. that range. Um, but I mean, what what about you, Alex? Um, so I mean, as far as myself, if we were to move up from twelve, um, I would I would love to try to get Dyson Daniels, um, you know, somewhere in there, the eight, possibly eight, possibly seven. Um, I just think he'd be he'd be so good for this team as far as an extra facilitator, an extra ball handler, um, and a great wing defender um, that is six foot eight. You know, yeah. Dort is a good wing wing defender, but he's six foot four, six foot three, so he's limited there. You ever talk about my boy Dort like that ever again? Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I'm really high on Dyson Daniels too, and I don't want to move that far up personally i'm trying to save all my assets for next year so i can just toss them at everybody and try to go for the first round pick uh no matter what happens next year to get victor so um yeah i'm not trying to spend i think you're gonna have a lot of competition in trying to make that (laughs) for sure for sure but not too many teams are gonna be able to have what we have that's That's true i mean seriously what if they just stockpile and they just give like seven picks to try to move up to number one like something unprecedented that would be oh, that would no. be pretty cool to see. I could definitely see it happening with Sam, and that's the reason why I'm just hoping out for it. I'm gonna yeah. hold my breath till it happens. You just drop the 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 17 future first round picks. For yeah, that. you don't need it. <laughs> and then you go over the uh, over salary cap the next 10 years. Like you don't even care because you're gonna win. Gosh, so many if you guys if Jabari Smith this year get someone good at 12 and then got Victor next year. That would, <laughs> that would be awesome to see. I would be, I'd be pretty stoked. It's yeah. the dream, man. It's, <laughs> it's the dream and it is. No, we're dream. manifesting these things though, sir. Okay. Yeah. We manifested coming up a couple spots, so it's going to happen. We're just starting now. Yeah. Well, Hey, we learned in Dr. Strange, you know, our dreams are just, <laughs> yeah. it's happening in another universe. So yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, you know, just kind of talking about that, 2023 is kind of the year that, like, a lot of people have circled for, like, that's the offseason that we're really going to, like, kind of push our chips in and start making moves towards not even just being competitive but possibly competing. So, uh, yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, our cap space situation, the CBA being um, worked out by then, and, of course, you know, just the 2023 draft class and how crazy it is, so. Yeah, keep your eye out. Keep your eye out for 2023, man. Yep. <laughs> but uh, all right, Sam, that's uh, that's all we got today, man. I appreciate you, you know, coming on, you know, taking the time to come on and you know, lend us your expertise in this crash test of the NBA draft. So, I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. give you your opportunity to just plug all plug away all the stuff you got, and uh, floor is yours. Yeah, thanks for having me. I always appreciate it, and it's especially fun having picks at two and twelve. We can kind of talk about everyone at the top of the of the draft um you can follow me at draft dummies like you guys know i'm always there posting a lot of stats posting clips posting my thoughts on the draft especially it's going to heat up even more over the next month leading up to the draft and you can listen if you want to we're basically the only show that does uh draft content every day on the podcast we've got uh other hosts as well as myself i think uh, you said Richard came on either mm-hmm. last week, maybe to to talk draft with you guys. So locked on NBA Big Board podcast. If you guys want to subscribe to that and follow me on Twitter. All right, man. Absolutely. 
be sure to do it, guys. I mean, like I said, you know, just it just randomly be tweeting those draft nuggets that'll get you yep. super excited and want to move somebody up four or five spots on the <laughs> big board. So, uh, with that being said, man, once again, appreciate you coming on, listeners. Appreciate you guys listening and your support. The draft is coming; it's coming soon. So, uh, as always, hooping you can and one time for the one time. Thunder up! Thunder up! Thunder up! Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.